Hi, it's Dave. Welcome. Today, I'm joined by James Dam, a frequent guest on my channel. We talk about AI, machine learning, Tesla FSD. And today, we've got some interesting topics. We're going to dive into the latest with ChatGPT. It's an open AI project that's basically a super, I don't say super intelligent, very intelligent chat bot that can do a multiple of things. And then we're going to go into um, image generators and the latest with AI image generation. It's a huge field. I'm super excited. Um, James, uh, welcome back on the show. How have you been? Great, 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 great. I'm happy to talk, awesome. talk about this topic. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a good one. Yeah, I feel like we can go like 10 hours on these topics, but yeah. <laughs> well, for sake of time, we'll um, yeah, restrict it to about 90 minutes here. Um, so first, let's dive into ChatGPT. ChatGPT, as uh, many people know, some people might not know, but OpenAI, a company in Silicon Valley that actually Elon Musk helped start, but later on he, he left that. Um, they're um, basically working on foundational um, AI technology. Um, their big model has been GPT-3, and they're working on GPT-3, GPT-4 next year. But out of um, GPT-3 and 3.5, they created something called ChatGPT, which lets you dialogue with you know, their AI to come up with different answers to a variety of questions. Um, and so, James, what is, has been your experience with ChatGPT? Um, have you tried it out? What have you um, yeah, done? Yeah, it, it's super impressive. It... it uh... And I mean, not just to me, like the people in the field have been blown away <laughs> by like <laughs> what, what open AI has managed to get out of this. It's in part, you know, large language models, they're not complicated. They're really simple. And GPT itself, like the GPT way of making large language models, it is kind of particularly uncomplicated. Architecturally, it's mm -hmm. uncomplicated. Like mm -hmm. there, there's all kinds of, you know, infrastructure you have to have. And, you know, it's, it's not like doing it is easy. It's not going to be a you know, right. something that high school students are doing next week. Uh, although it, it's, it's worth noting that on a lot of these models, like GPT, for example, once OpenAI went out and made GPT-3 and they demonstrated like the power of this technique, the, the big thing with GPT-3 was that it kind of showed that you could, once, you're, once you had a good language model and you got to a certain scale, that all kinds of um, sort of things you, uh, it, it, it started to, to demonstrate a lot of new capabilities that you could not have predicted from earlier models. Like if you looked at GPT-2, which is basically, you know, GPT, uh, GPT, GPT-2 and GPT-3, the architecture is basically the same. And the big difference between them is just like, they're, they're a lot bigger, you know, GPT-2, is uh, like 20 times smaller than GPT-3. So they really scaled it up, but it was a pretty straightforward mm -hmm. scaling up. And when they just went bigger, suddenly it was able to do all kinds of things that you couldn't do at all with GPT-2. I mean, there was no hint of those capabilities in GPT-2. So it, not only did it get a lot better at all the things GPT-2 did, and that, that was kind of predictable. I mean, we know that, that scaling works. You make models bigger, you train them on more data, and that their accuracy improves. They get better at doing the thing you're asking them to do when you train them. But one of the things that we're seeing with these models is as you cross these thresholds of size, new capabilities emerge that you didn't have, you know, they're, they're, they're these emergent properties that happen when you get to certain scales. So GPT-3, the big surprise on it was we got all of these amazing emergent properties that the system started being able to do uh, once you got to a certain scale. And now with ChatGPT, what they've done is they've taken something which is not that different from GPT-3 in terms of its basic scale, but they've refined the way that they do training 
to sort of guide it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, language models, essentially what they do is, is they learn what makes sense or what follows the rules. Like what, what is, you know, of all the ways, of all the things that could be the next word in this sentence, what's the most likely thing, right? And in order to do a yeah. really good job of that, you have to learn a lot. You know, you have to read the whole internet so that you know what name to stick in or whether it's a noun, is it plural, is it French, you know, because there's all these other things it could do. But, but of course, one of the problems in GPT-3 was that, you know, you could get these, there, there, are, many, uh, there are many grammatically correct, you know, endings to a sentence, which are not useful or interesting, <laughs> right? And with ChatGPT, what they've done, they, they, the ChatGPT is an extension of a thing that they were, the, a, a, an earlier thing they did, which was instruct mm-hmm. GPT, where they asked this question like, okay, so now we've got this language model. How can we make it into something where you can, you can have a, a dialogue with it, where you ask it to do stuff? Like you, you have a back and forth. And, and, you know, and it, and, and so instruct GPT was a step in that direction. Chat GPT is a further refinement of it. And the thing that's okay, actually really before, hard- before you go on, um, what I want to do is actually, uh, I want to go into some demos so people can, can see mm-hmm. some examples and then let's go into how it's working. So we'll go into instruct GPT and kind of the dynamics, and then we'll close with some, um, ideas of implications and then we'll hit image generation. So why don't I go ahead and I'll share my screen here, um, and if you actually have some um, uh, chat GPT um, um, examples as well, you can go ahead and um, share them as well. I'm going to go ahead and um, I'll share my uh, Safari screen here. We'll go into chat GPT. Okay. So why don't we, I'll give a couple examples and then um, um, we'll, so my first example, I'll just, I haven't, um, I haven't, done these examples. So this is going to be new for me. So we'll say, write a short poem about staying positive, about staying positive during an economic recession. Okay. So here's chat GPT. In times of economic recession, it's easy to feel down and depressed, but we must remember to stay positive and find ways to make the best. Even when the money's tight and things seem dark and bleak, we must keep a cheerful spirit and do all that we can to seek opportunities and solutions to turn our fortunes around for we, if we stay positive and hopeful, we'll surely be able to rebound. So let's focus on the good things and be grateful for what we have for a positive attitude can go a long way in helping us to weather the storm and be glad. Um, huh? Interesting. Yeah. Um, let me give do a couple more examples here. Um, write a short story about a young boy who ventures into a jungle and discovers a surprise. Um, Actually, hold on. Um, it's it's more impressive okay. if you if you ask for more details and inject more stuff. Uh, okay, because it okay. seems kind of uh, when you ask yeah. it super generic things, people often go like, "Oh, it just found that somewhere on the internet." But then you That's can insert true, yeah. all kinds of specific requirements in the narrative, the names of characters, and that kind of stuff, and 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 it works. You know, you can do it with almost anything. Okay, let's let's try this. Actually, ask more questions. Write a story about a young boy who ventures into a jungle and discovers a surprise. Okay, so uh, there was once a young now. boy named Jack who lived in a small village nestled at the edge of a dense jungle. Jack was an adventurous boy and he often spent his days exploring the jungle, discovering new plants and animals along the way. Um, so it'll go on and basically make a whole story about this person, Jack, going into the jungle. 
uh, it'll do lots of embellishment it'll insert all kinds of you know sort of detail it it understands the structure of stories you know like it does character Mm -hmm. introductions and that kind of stuff it knows all kinds of tropes that it'll insert in there it has a satisfying ending to it frequently there's moral of the story kind of thing you know it's not just coughing up text like it, yeah, it's yeah. got the concept of a story down and it understands about characters and narration and the way people talk yeah. about stuff. the things people are interested in stories. Like there's a lot of abstract understanding of what constitutes a story here. And, you know, it's worth pointing out, like nobody sat down and told GPT all this stuff explicitly. Yeah. Right. Chat GPT, it figured this out by looking at lots of stories. Right. It got yeah. the gist. And now it's emulating what it sees and it's not emulating what it sees in a simple fashion. Like the the surprising thing about it is it, you know, for lack of a better term, it shows amazingly nuanced judgment in the decisions it makes about what to present Hmm. when in response to a query. Yeah. You're getting a long story Um, here. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, uh, it's so interesting because it literally can make like, uh, what I find interesting is um, you could ask ask like, for example, how, How old is Jack? And it'll make up like, you know, oh, you didn't. Okay. Um, how old um, is Jack as an example? Okay. Um, they might have changed the, because I was um, I was doing this long thing um, uh, with uh, my, my son. It's and giving daughter. you a lot of detail. Anywhere from a yeah, few well, years around. Yeah, we were talking about Santa Claus and we we're asking who is Santa Claus' best friend and all these, what is Santa Claus' favorite yeah. food, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> it was just making up <laughs> just yeah. all this stuff. Um, kind of crazy. Um, okay, let's do an, an easy one. Um, write an article about which essential oils I could use to repel bugs. This is kind of easy one pulling together um, the best essential oils. Okay, five essential oils. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then I have one more that I want to do. And then um, I've never done these on this specifically. So it's just um, mm-hmm. interesting to see. Yeah, it's like um, I was doing this one thing of like, write me a, a chapter one of a Spanish language learning book. And it just gave me chapter one. I'm like, okay, chapter two, chapter three, <laughs> chapter four. Okay. It was like writing the whole book. you know. <laughs> and it was so like at- actually really convincing yeah. you know spanish lessons is crazy a thing to keep in mind here right is this stuff mm-hmm. is not necessarily true yeah this is yeah, the exactly. output of a language model you know so uh like they like open ai has put effort into making it more true than it used to be like with gpt yeah. and with uh, with gpt3 and strike gpt it was super common to get you know plausible sounding nonsense you can still get plausible sounding nonsense out of it there's a lot less nonsense to it but it's not looking this stuff up on the internet it's not using any proper reference to do this stuff Mm -hmm. right this is this is it's just ad-libbing from what it's Mm -hmm. been exposed to and it will respond to your query and sometimes it will respond with information that is not true Hmm, interesting okay so is it um like for example how is it pulling information about these essential oils is i mean obviously it's, it's like scrape the this. internet right it's scrape the internet for all these details so it's is it pulling up just what it knows from essential oils and connecting it to what repels so this and is one of the describing? interesting things about uh, about it like it's not accessing the internet it's trained on a lot of information that yeah. came off of the internet like an incredible 
incredibly wide variety of information yeah. went into its training set. And so it's essentially remembering this from its training, right? It's recalling okay. this the way a person who's read a lot of books might ad lib on a topic if you ask them about it, hmm. you know, but you know, it's the more books you read, the more likely you are to misremember things and GPT will misremember things. That's where, and, and sometimes, huh. You know, it'll it it will have an incorrect belief, and it will and it'll express that incorrect belief with confidence in a very articulate way, right? So that's a yeah. thing that you that, that's worth keeping in mind at the current state of this stuff. Now, it's worth understanding that like OpenAI wants, you know, one of their goals is to make it more accurate. I mean, ideally, it wouldn't ever present anything that was that was inaccurate. But an interesting question right now is like how far can we push the simple techniques we have without having to add a bunch of stuff to them, without having to give them an internet connection, without mm -hmm. having to, you know, force them to do these other things to cross-reference. So like, what, what can we get just by scaling up and training, you know, on more material and, and, and adjusting the training process and, and, you know, remarkable, it's remarkably good. Like it's amazingly good. Mm -hmm but mm -hmm. it's not perfect. And, and that's yeah. the thing you need to understand and in the same way that you can go to Google and you can Google for something and you can find articles that aren't true, right? Which is not Google's fault. Uh, you know, that's just an aspect of the internet is there is, you know, there is information out there that is not true. And, and uh, you know, open AI has probably put a lot of work into trying to not have a lot of false information included in the training corpus that is used, it's impossible. I mean, the training corpus is so large, it can't be reviewed by a human being. Like they can do a lot of filtering on the training corpus, but, but they, there's not an easy way to make sure that everything you're training it on is true. And, you know, it, mm -hmm. it's not going to be, it definitely can't be any better than the training corpus is. Interesting. Okay. So I just asked if citronella oil, can I eat it? It says it's not safe. I said, what if I, what should I do if my dog eats citronella mm -hmm. oil? So it's giving me all this stuff. Um, call your vet. Um, got it. Okay. So, um, let me do one last. Um, I like, <laughs> yeah, I like how it kind of. Um, I, I, it's creative capacities are more interesting. I mean, it, it, yeah. the, the, the breadth of its knowledge and the general accuracy with which it recalls things. Like I was using it to review neurobiology. I did yeah. an interview with Neuropod uh -huh. a couple of weeks ago and, and I was just yeah. like, there were all these things I didn't remember. So I was just chatting with chat GPT about neurobiology and it was mostly right on. And, but there were some things that were wrong. There's some things I couldn't get it to answer and whatnot. So that mm -hmm. aspect of it is quite impressive. That's not the goal with making it. It's just, it's an amazing side effect. Yeah of the scale of the model and the quality of the training that they're doing, that it can just spontaneously remember like crazy mm. stuff. So one thing that I tried is like, you know, how, 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 uh, how, how do I ask where is the toilet in Japanese? Right. And I, mm -hmm. you know, because I was looking at, at like just testing it cause it's multilingual, right. It can do a lot of languages. Yeah. And I didn't know if Japanese would be one of those. And it provided this like super impressively, great summary of like how to do it two or three different ways that you could do it some of the yeah. you know cultural baggage that goes along with that and other things you might want to be aware of if you're asking for the bathroom in japan it was great uh -huh. it's just yeah yeah and like definitely a lot of the you know the gist of the facts that go into it is stuff it's recalling but it's creatively synthesizing this in response to my query it's not just remembering this chunk of text and regurgitating mm. it it's remembering yeah. lots of little things and then combining them 
in the way that is going mm -hmm. that is most useful to my question to to, to answering my yeah. question okay. it's just it's do, uh, amazing piece of technology yeah um okay so i'm inputting a prompt i want to start an ai company with a small team but must but let's say the company must reach a 10 billion dollar market cap in five years what should the ai company do okay Let's see what ChatGPT says. Achieving a $10 billion market capitalization in five years is a significant goal and it will require a strong business plan, a solid team and a unique value proposition. Here are a few steps that a small AI company might consider in, a, in order to achieve this goal. One, identify a unique opportunity. The AI market is competitive and it's important to identify a unique opportunity or problem your company can solve. This can be a specific industry or application or undersolved, underserved by existing AI solutions. Number two, build a strong team. Number three, develop a solid business plan. Number four, raise capital. Number five, focus on customer needs. Okay, so it's possible. Okay, I wanna know what, what are some, um, what are some examples of unique unique opportunities that an AI startup can, can take advantage of. Okay. There are many unique opportunities that AI advantage can take advantage of. Number one is focusing on a specific industry or application. For example, AI for healthcare industry, agriculture, or energy industry, offering a novel approach to solving a common problem. Let me example, point something out here, right? Yeah. The way you worded okay. your question, you didn't say, give me examples of opportunities. You said, what are opportunities yeah. to take advantage of? So it's not trying to give you a list of things that it thinks might be good categories. It's giving you a, it's giving you a recipe for figuring out what good opportunities are, right? So the, the very particular wording, you know, the mm. intention behind the particular wording you did, like my, my guess is that when you were initially typing that, you were thinking yeah. you were going to ask it to give you examples, but you actually didn't yeah exactly ask for examples you asked for something slightly different and it gave you an answer that very specifically responded to the particular question that you asked right like it huh, understands okay. Okay. the nuanced difference between what you actually asked <laughs> and what you might have wanted to ask or what you were shooting for and it gave you what you actually asked for okay, even though so. it, even though <laughs> it's a quite nuanced difference between those two right like, okay. but you so could just, say, well, give me uh, some unique opportunities, or you could say, well, how could I tell if something's a unique opportunity, right? And the wording yeah, on those might yeah. be close together, but they're they're two very different answers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just said list specific examples. Okay, it's a little bit vague right now the mm -hmm. the the examples, but hmm, okay. Got it. Do you have any um, uh, chat GPT kind of prompts or examples you've gone through that you found interesting yourself? Man, I got a, <laughs> I asked for some little stories to get written, you know, um, uh -huh. and had fun with like its narrative. Um, my spouse is a linguist and she has an extraordinary uh, capability with, uh, for instance, poetry and whatnot. And so we, mm -hmm. we spent a couple of hours uh, looking at what its strengths and weaknesses were. It's not a great poet. Like it's pretty good yeah. in general. And you can, uh -huh. and you can, you can get it to give you a poem. And then if, if it gets something wrong, 
you know, like for instance, uh, she, like she pointed out that it wasn't strictly sticking to iambic pentameter when we asked for, yeah. you know, this particular format, but then, then you can say, can you do that and stick to the iambic pentameter and it would get it right. Or you could ask it for some haikus, right. And it gets the gist right. And it gets the tone right. And that kind of stuff, mm. but sometimes it doesn't get the syllable count. Right. So then you say, mm. well, tell me what a haiku is and give me an example of haiku. And then you ask it the question, like with that in context, like I care yeah. that you get the syllable count. Right. And then yeah. it's nailing it. Right. It, huh, there's, it, it, yeah, it I, like context. So, uh, the input context is about the eight, the last 8,000 words of your thread of your chat thread right. or whatnot. And all of that becomes context for, for, for what it's doing. Uh, and it, it, so you can massage the results and you can get better results by like changing your query or embellishing, like using more words, like having a more mm -hmm. detailed query gets you, will get you better results because it provides more context, especially if there are things you prefer it, like it focus on. And so, so what, you know, Karen was looking at the thing, she was finding all of these like things that were driving her crazy in the poetry, yeah, which is fine. But I was surprised that like you could fix all those things by pointing them out and asking it to do it again. Right. And that's yeah. a, kind of a remarkable thing. Like it's yeah. not just yeah. broken. Right. It's like, it gets the thing, but it's still, you know, it gets more specific, the more specific you, you ask it to be, I guess is mm -hmm. uh, anyway. Yeah. So that, that's been super impressive. I've been playing around with programming recently um, because, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's just a whole interesting domain, getting it to write programs for you. I, yeah. I saw a YouTube video of a guy who was like, Hey, you know, I've been learning to use blender because I have some home remodeling yeah. projects. I wanted to build three models, 3d models for. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, Blender has this Python interface and people were like, you can go into chat GVT and ask it to write you a program, <laughs> you know, a Blender program to create the scene that you want, <laughs> right? They just paste it in there and, and run it, which is like, that was a fascinating idea to me. But also yeah. that you can, you can ask for pretty abstract functions to be written in, you know, choose your language, choose your framework. Yeah. And it'll pop yeah. out some code, which won't be perfect. But, you yeah. know, and this was uh, what I was just doing. I just did this example um the black shoals thing right it's just off the top of my head mm -hmm. hey you know i i asked it I, for i started the context by saying what's a black shoals equation and what is it used for right and then like write me a python program that calculates you know a european call option value based on the inputs of the black shoals equation and it wrote a python program so i pasted in a window and i ran it and it it got one of the imports wrong you know so i got an error yeah. so i went back to chad gbt and said hey i got this error how do i fix it and it's like oh you yeah. need to change this thing and then it rewrote the program for me and gave me a revised one right and then I ran that one and there was another one import missing and I just typed that one in and then it worked. Right. It's like, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I, I recently, I went through the process of like writing black holes scratch, and I, like I spent a couple hours on it and I just re I just redid that in like three minutes. Yeah. It, like yeah. Took no time at all. Like it's a, yeah, so, holy cow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. About a week ago, I was um, trying to do this, um, uh, this, script that or web page where I could um, type in some English, it would, um, or any language actually, and I would send it to Amazon to get it 
uh, converted to text to speech and audio file. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. I would take that audio file and upload it to S3 storage and then get the link back and play it on the same web page, right? So mm -hmm. I was I spent like five hours with Chat GPT or actually GPT three trying to get code. So I'm like, okay, I want this mm -hmm. code to do this, this, this. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because I was um I would get the code back, I would run it on on, on Replit and mm -hmm. Um, there would be errors. So I, I give back the code to GPT. I go, this, this isn't working. Like, what's the problem? And then it would point out the errors, try to fix it. And I was going back and forth for like three or four hours on this. And what I mm -hmm. noticed, which is interesting, is, is if I take the code, I give it back to GPT and say, oh, it, um, does this code, um, is it right? Will it work? And then sometimes, a lot of times they'll say, yeah, you know, it'll work. But if I if I give a different question, the same code, I say, this code isn't working. Where's the bug? Then they'll find like these bugs <laughs> in the code. <laughs> it's like the same code. Yeah. It just depends on the the, the way you, you phrase it, right? It'll yeah. give you a different right. answer. Well, you're setting the context for like, yeah. you're directing its attention, if you will, to mm -hmm. some particular aspect of what's in front of it. So that it's, a, you know, focusing it, it on those things. Yeah, actually, yeah. did did you retry it with ChatGPT? I'd be curious about. Yeah, it. actually, I didn't. No, actually, I did. You know, it was actually all on ChatGPT. But what happened mm -hmm. was, I was going back three or four hours, and what I noticed was ChatGPT. It seems so confident. It's like, here's the code, right? Here's the mm -hmm. fix. And I'm doing yeah. all this stuff, and it's not working. And I'm, and then it's like timing out all this. So there's so much people using it. Eventually, like I had to give up and and hand it off to, you know, someone who works with me uh, to, to figure out. Uh -huh. But um, what I noticed is I, it's still, it's still not there. It has the confidence, but it doesn't have like the delivery to like so what, completely. What, what know, was the thing that you wanted happen. to do? You wanted to, um, you wanted to, you so wanted. I wanted to upload. Um, so I wanted to make a web page in JavaScript, uh -huh. HTML and JavaScript uh -huh. that would have a text input box I would type in text into that box, um, hit a button, it would send it to Amazon AWS to convert it to an audio file. It would save it in Amazon S3. So write an, write an HTML web page with an input box. Actually, why don't we share your screen actually if you, if you want to check this out. Actually, let's share yep. your screen if you're, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, let's share. I just, uh, you know, it's, I've been pretty impressed with the ability to like get this stuff yeah. to go. Um, I mean, the, the, the code looks so almost perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's so interesting. It's just, but it's, least, it's um, that thing that I said, like it, it, it like it'll tell yeah. you, right. And it, you know, yeah. and it looks right, but there will be things that are wrong. And I yeah. mean, that yeah. can be true. Anything. If you're act asking it for factual things and it's, it's similarly, you can ask it to engage in a creative act and it will do that. We're, we're kind of more forgiving when you ask a creative thing and it doesn't get mm -hmm. it quite right. When, when you ask yeah. for, for a fact, essentially, it's, you know, you know, it could, because we know human beings, like if they don't know it, they'll kind of tell you that they don't and they understand what they know and they don't know. But in a sense, yeah. chat GPT, it doesn't really know what it doesn't know. So its ability, I mean, it can, it does have the ability to say, well, I don't know the answer to that. You know, it's, yeah. it's been coached yeah. that there are domains where it does it, but it, you know, it's not good enough right now that, that it covers that yeah. well. Let's see, yeah. how do we do this screen sharing thing? Yeah. Um, okay. 
Okay. Let's see. We'll do a window. And I guess we want this one. That one? Okay. Got right, it. GBT. Okay. Okay. Write an HTML web page with an input box that can submit uh, with an input box. Yeah. That, a text input box. Yeah. A text, text input box that and and a submit button. Yeah. And the submit button. When the submit button is pressed, the text from the input box is submitted to Amazon, Amazon AWS. Amazon AWS. AWS for conversion for text, uh, text for text to speech. To speech. Yeah, conversion. conversion to an audio file, which is returned. And you want that to go in a uh, web page? Or? Yeah, no, then the, and then, and then the audio file is uploaded to Amazon S3. Oh. Well, let, let's stop here a second and see what it does. Okay. Yeah. okay. Certainly, here's an example of an HTML web page that has text box and submit button submits. Oh, okay. So it's giving us HTML. Uh, oh, and it knows that Amazon Poly is the service that you use. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so this creates a web page with a heading and a form that includes a text box. And a submit button when the submit button is pressed, the text is entered in the box submitted to Amazon AWS Poly, which serves the commercial text of speech. Note that in order to use Amazon AWS Poly, you will need to sign up for an Amazon Web Services account and obtain an AWS access key and secret key. You also need to install the AWS SDK for your program, blah, 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 blah. Okay, let me just look at this. I don't yeah, it see. Doesn't, it's not really so this is re any API calls. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, um, how about, okay, let's see. Add the API calls to do the to, or, yeah To return an audio file from AWS. Well, let's do the submission and see how okay. that does. Let's All right. try to, I'm, I'm gonna try to do this as kind of an interactive thing and see. Yeah, yeah. Okay, to make API calls, you'll need the SDK. Da, 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 da. Here's an example of how you can make an API call. Yeah. Okay. You can, okay, let's see. Is it returning? So this thing returns. Okay, now it's telling us how to use the code in the HTML page. Yeah. I mean, it's impressive. I mean, it <laughs> it actually like runs. It just doesn't um, when you submit it and you put in. It just doesn't uh -huh. work. For, it doesn't. That's the thing with code. It's like there's. It's so like one thing off, you know. Or it's just, yeah, yeah. Well, that was the thing that I was saying. Yeah. Like I was, I was impressed that I could ask it to mm -hmm. do something. I'd stick it. I'd run it. I'd get an error, yeah. and then I'd. I'd tell it about the error and ask it to fix it, or I'd ask it about the error or something like that, and I would get helpful feedback. Um, yeah, I, I I do not find at least you know I've only played with this a little while, and I'm sure that yeah. the more you play with it, the more expert you become in in understanding the best way to use it, the faster you'll be able to get through it. But I found that sometimes asking it like what was wrong 
you know, it would give me an explanation of what was wrong and what I could change. And sometimes yeah. it will make the modification for me. And sometimes when it makes a modification, it introduces some other bug, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah. so you, you know, so the process of using it effectively is, it looks like we ran out of yeah. content. Actually, yeah, it gets cut off sometimes. Like I think as it, if there's, mm -hmm. it gives a long answer, it just kind of, it just stops sometimes like right there. Yeah. It, I, it has, so it has uh, window limitation sizes, right? Yeah. Um, so you, you know, there, uh, although I don't, it doesn't seem like we should be bumping up against that limit right now. I can ask it to do yeah. it again. Boy, it yeah. takes a while. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And sometimes a whole, it gives a different answer too. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. In your command line. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Wow. So it's like yeah. now it's giving me a set of instructions for how to use a third party library that you can import. Yeah. Uh, that just does it in. I, so we're doing this in Python now, right? Yeah, they changed it to Python. Right. <laughs> right. It yeah, it was like, in C yeah. before, right? Uh, wow. Just like HTML and JavaScript, I think. And now it's yeah, Python. and you know, if we'd specified the language, of course, we wouldn't have yeah. it down. The, what the first I thing I asked for was HTML so that we got yeah. that in HTML. Yeah. What I noticed is it's great when I give it some code and I say, can you explain what this code is doing? And it'll tell me like what the code is doing. So uh -huh. it's like a great teacher for coding, you know, if you don't uh -huh. know what's going on. Yeah. It just feels yeah. like it's, it's, it's almost, it's getting there. It's, it's just, yeah. it just needs maybe like a couple more years before it's like really, really, it works, you know, like this is a, this is a first out of the gate beta yeah, of this yeah, yeah. technology, right? It's got, so, I mean, yeah. it's amazing what it can do at this stage. And yeah. like they're, they're demonstrating capabilities that I don't think, you know, people in the field really thought we were going to see for a while. Right. Especially, I mean, there, there's always this kind of presumption, you know, that at, at every time we get one of these big leaps forward, that uh, yeah. that if you want to go farther than that, you, you know, now we're going to have to get into bolting on bells and whistles, and we're going to have to write handler code, and it's going to get complicated. That you're not you're not going to continue to get these, you know, amazing expansions of capability just by scaling up or by changing the training or whatnot. That you're you're going to have mm -hmm. to start getting down in the weeds, and you know, it's really surprising that they, we continue to see these leaps forward without really having to get down in the weeds, you know, this, I yeah. mean, so like is an interesting aspect of this is that, um, you know, this whole topic of AI alignment, like how do we get AIs to do, to do what we mean and not what we say, you know, to like understand our values and do, you know, yeah. it's, you know, it's, 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 on one scale, AI alignment is a way to protect ourselves when the AIs are smarter than us, right? How do we imbue them with values? So, that, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and develop confidence that they're actually going to internalize those values and follow those kinds of values. And, yeah. you know, for a long time, the, you know, the dialogue around that stuff has been, you know, how do we put blinders on it or how do we force it to, you know, and the problem with that is, is like, if you're going to have a very detailed code of ethics, or something, then you get in that whole problem with like complicated laws, complicated rules. There's always loopholes, right? And if it's smarter than you and it has an incentive to get to avoid the loopholes, well, like no, no set of rules you can come up with ever really covers it. What you really want to do is you want to have a thing where like you raise the kid and you're like, 
this is good, this is bad, this is right, this is wrong, you know, and it generalizes mm -hmm. to that and it, and sticks to it, right? And ChatGPT, it seems like it's kind of getting there. You know, Isaac Asimov had his three laws of robotics thing. And, and it, it always struck me like as a programmer. And I think a lot of people in the, in, in the business are like, oh man, like how, you, like how you can write the code behind those three rules to make them really stick because the rules are really abstract, right? There's, mm -hmm. you know, the, the first one is like, don't hurt humans and this, or, or allow a human to come to harm. And the second one is like, you know, do whatever humans tell you to do as long as it doesn't violate the first rule. And the third rule is like, preserve yourself from harm as long as it doesn't violate the first two rules. Like those mm -hmm. are really general, right? But, mm -hmm. and you know, but chat GPT is essentially the, you know, the, I mean, we didn't get into the weeds yet about how they do yeah. this, but they have yeah. a technique for essentially creating moral guidance for the thing for, to, to mm -hmm. indicate um, that there's that they do three stages of training on this thing. And then in the third stage, what, what humans do is they sit down and they build a bunch of examples of good and bad or ranked things like this is to be preferred mm. over that. Then they train a, a simple AI, a, a simple neural network that just can take an input and it can tell you how that ranks. Then they use that as an incentive thing. And then they train, uh, they then they they do fine tuning on chat GPT so that its answers are are preferred to score higher on. I'll call it this ethics or morality, uh, whatever uh, value. And it works. Right. Like it mm -hmm. works really well. It's awesome. Like who thought that the solution was going to be that it's going to be that simple? Like, I don't know that this is a yeah. slam dunk, but this is the first thing I've yeah. seen in a while that made me really hopeful that there's going to be a straightforward, fairly bulletproof way to like make our AI's three laws safe, right? <laughs> to, to, you know, make, make AI safe for humans in the future. I, I mean, it's a hopeful, it's, it's, it's a super hopeful thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, why don't we do this actually, before we go into um, the, the weeds of how it works, let's jump over to image generation um, mm -hmm. and show some demos of that uh, because um, what's going on with image generation is, um, is crazy as well. And so let me go ahead and let me... The, how, how the image generation stuff works now with the diffusion is brilliant. And yeah. it's like so clever. Why don't you go ahead, James, um, if you don't mind, can you kind of um, give folks just like a two or three minute intro on why image generation, like what's going on and where are we in the bigger picture with AI image generation? And I'll go ahead and load up some, some screens here. Yeah, so, uh, so, the, 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 so transformers are really key to a lot of stuff that's going on. We've, uh, transformers have turned out to be able to, uh, to uh, do, uh, to learn the underlying rules behind quite complicated phenomena if you just give it lots of examples. And so text is one of those things. You know, chat, mm -hmm. chat GPT is a transformer. It's a big one. You give it lots and lots of text. It learns the rules to the, and it learns the rules through the process of you ask it to do some general technique on a lot of unlabeled data. So the way that chat GPT, these unsupervised models or self-supervised models get trained is you take a bunch of data and you give chunks of the data to the to the AI when you're training it, but you but what you do is you 
everything you give it, you take out some pieces and you ask it to predict the missing pieces. So for instance, mm-hmm. with, uh, with text, what you do is you feed text and you ask it, tell me what the next word is. It's like, there are different mm-hmm. ways of doing it. Like in some models, like this is not how GPT works, but there are other language models where you give it a sentence and you knock out the words and you tell me, tell me what the missing mm-hmm. words are. Right. With yeah. chat GPT, you feed this stuff in and you just have it predict the next word as it goes. It's a generative uh, thing, which is in some ways it's simpler. There's some trade-offs and that kind of stuff. But, uh, but it, I mean, OpenAI has demonstrated that GPT uh, itself is a simple approach. It scales really well and you can get really great results out of it. So that's great. So now imagine you want to do that with pictures, right? So you give an AI a picture and you cut out a piece of it. And you tell me, tell me what's in the missing part of the picture. Mm-hmm. And you give it lots and lots of pictures and lots of styles from lots of things. In order to be able to fill in the missing part, the AI has to learn a lot about, if I give it a Van Gogh and I cut off part of Van Gogh or a, or a Mona Lisa or a photograph or a piece of a Pixar film, like an image could be anything, right? It mm-hmm. has to learn all of those things well. And you can have stuff that, that, that like crosses boundaries, right? You know, like a Pixar and Van Gogh style or an anime style you know, a figure of, you know, something or other, or, you know, uh, a Ghibli version of like a a forest or a city or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And it has to sort of, it has to learn all of those nuances in order to be able to accurately predict that. And this is the thing that's hard to get your head around because it, because these models are trained on so much data, like it, it the 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 corpus of data it gets trained and it literally runs the gamut of just like almost everything humans have ever thought of from an imaging standpoint whether it's you know old photographs or weird stylistic stuff from the 50s or 60s cross culture and all that kind of stuff they're just trained on really huge amounts of data so transformers because you can get them to work on all different kinds of domains when uh, a transformer you know, you give it an input and you ask it to predict an output. And if you're if you're training it in this kind of autoencoder way, where say I'm giving it an image and cutting out part of the image and then asking it to tell me what the whole image is, then the output yeah. is the whole image, right? So what it does, in, and w- whether it's a text or an image or music or many other things that you can do, because people do this with music too. I mean, there are lo- mm-hmm. almost any domain where you have lots of data, you can do this trick. Mm-hmm. It has to, it, it what it, and I'm going to, totally you know, hand wave my way around this to make the explanation really accessible. It takes the input and it converts it into in what we in the field would call latent space. It's this kind of, it's this, it's this suit, it's this big number. It's a high dimensional vector. It contains, you know, you know, maybe tens of thousands of, of, of numbers that, that tries to extract the meaning of the input, right? And then it tries to reconstruct the input from that meaning. So for instance, I give it an image and the image has a hole in it, right? And so the first stage that it tries to do is it tries to figure out what does this picture mean, right? In, in all of the details and nuances, it's in this style, it's about this thing, it's got these things in it and that kind of stuff. In some, in some very difficult to explain uh, way, it creates a latent representation of what this picture means, right? And then it can take the latent representation and go back to what the whole picture would look like if it didn't have the whole. So you, the, so the first thing you do is right. you take the input, you figure out what it, what it's most likely to mean, right? Given everything mm-hmm. that you've been exposed to, and then you can take that meaning and you can convert it back into like what it should have been, and that's how GPT predicts the next word, right? And that, that's, and that's, so this is yeah. an approach you can use for images also. 
So there's the, the most recent and some of the most impressive things are done with a technique called diffusion. And with diffusion, you do a thing that's a little bit different from cutting a hole out of the picture. Uh, what you do instead is you add noise. So like I take a picture that's a sharp picture and I add some noise to it and I give the noisy one to the AI and say, tell me what the picture, what the non-noisy version would look like. And so it has to learn things about pictures. It has to learn things about images that will let it tell what's the noise. Like what, what is the intent of this image? What should it be? Right. And so, and from that intent, it can, you know, I'm using very anthropomorphic terms here. There's math yeah. and all kinds of other stuff behind these things, but mm -hmm. this is the essence of what's going on. Right. In, in easy to understand mm -hmm. terms. What, what, like, if the, like, how, how does that let me understand, like, what parts of this image are noise and what parts are the truth, like, what the image is, is meant to be? And how, so what does, what would the image look like without the noise? That's the challenge I give it. Well, stable diffusion, mm -hmm. that's a super clever thing where it's like, you know, first you, you, you put a little bit of noise in and you ask it to predict the clean version of the image. And then once you've got that kind of going, now you, you go a little farther, you put more noise on and you have it to predict, you ask it to predict a less noisy image. And you keep doing this for more and more and more noise until you get to a point mm -hmm. where it's just noise, you know? So, mm -hmm. so and you, you run this in multiple stages. So each time you come backwards, um, actually, I have a little back. screen here that kind of yeah. shows that. Oh, yeah. That processed. Yeah, yeah. And then you go back um, from right. the noise to the image. So the model is learning, you know, each mm -hmm. of the, how to go from the slightly noisier version to the slightly less noisy version. And if you add enough noise, eventually it's just noise. So once you've got the model trained up where it can start from noise and give you an image, right? You just give it noise and you get an image up. So how do we get a particular mm -hmm. A particular image out of this? How do I tell it what image I want, right? So the thing is, because a transformer can have this latent space that 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 somehow captures the in, the intent, the meaning, the representation, the abstraction of the image. Well, you can do that with text also, and you can take text and map it to a latent space, and you can also take images and map them to the same latent space. So now you've got a latent space where I can I can generate text from it. I can generate it from text. I can generate huh. it from images or I can generate images from it. So once you've got it working both ways, because you can train it with just the text and just the images, and it doesn't necessarily need to understand the correlation between those well. If, if you can provide it with some correlation, then that helps the process. But the point is you want to end up with this point where you have this representational space, this highly abstracted representational space that your, neural, that your transformer can construct either from text or images and go back to text or images. Then you can do the trick where you put in the text and you get out the image, right? So the text huh. goes into the representational okay. space that gets made. And then, then, then you say, here's some noise. Now I want you to look at this noise like the way a human might look at a cloud and see Snoopy yeah. or rabbits or whatever the deal is. You can start with something that's not there, but if you're if you're if you're triggered, and you say no, this this it looks like noise, but really it's a noisy you know cyberpunk twenty seventy seven you know image with a car in the foreground and rain and blah 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 like. And then yeah. they, it'll look at the noise and say, oh yeah, I kind of see it. That's a little like this, and then st stays by stage. You know, it works its way backwards to a really sharp representation of the thing you want. Because you run, like you say, this this is a picture of X and you give it noise. And then it gives you something that's slightly closer to that picture. 
and then you do it again. And you do some number mm -hmm. of stages of that, which once upon a time, it took 50 steps. Like when the technique mm -hmm. was primitive, you had to, to go step by step over a lot of them. And now they can do like with more advanced techniques, they can do it in like five hops or something. You know, they can, they can, uh, you know, they can't yet do it in one hop. <laughs> Maybe we'll get to one hop. Mm -hmm. That would be really impressive too, but that's how they do it. They, 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 you, you prime it by saying this, this block of noise is actually this. Now give me a slightly less noisy version of it. Right. And, you know, mm -hmm. and after a couple of stages, you've got the picture that you asked for. Does that all make mm -hmm. sense? I, yeah, it's, yeah. It, I mean, it's so beautiful. Yeah. It's so simple and it works so well. It's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, let's go ahead and let's. Um, I want to do um, a couple of demos here. So we'll go to. So I haven't I haven't inputted these things before. This is the first time I'm doing it here. This is Dolly Two by OpenAI. Here's some examples of Dolly stuff. But we're gonna uh, put in humanoid robot of the future cooking French food in kitchen. I'm adding photorealistic cinematic lighting, and we're gonna go ahead and generate. Now, some of this time, sometimes it takes 30 to 60 seconds. I'm going to go over to stable diffusion. I'm going to do the same thing, the same prompt, generate image. And then let's go back. Okay, so let's go back to Dolly here. Let's look at some of these pictures. Here we have, um, interesting, okay. This is humanoid robot cooking French food in kitchen. <laughs> Photorealistic, got some thing. <laughs> interesting so you do photorealistic you get something that kind of looks yeah. like a photo but you also notice that it knows how people take photos you know like how to center mm -hmm. the subject and that kind of stuff and then photos will have bokeh or they'll have certain types of dramatic lighting or whatnot and so that'll automatically yeah. show up and if you don't want it well you actually have cinematic lighting in there as part yeah. of the prompt yeah you know you can tell it okay. it's a, that stable diffusion demo. You also can have a negative prompt in there, like something you don't want. Yeah. To have in yeah. So here's stable diffusions, uh, humanoid robot cooking French food. Whoa. That's pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like this one the best. Um, okay. So I want to do, so that's, um, stable diffusion. There's, um, I, I've been really interested in, um, in, um, uh, um, uh, mid journey. So I'm going to go ahead and um, I'm going to change my screen and show um, Discord um, because the only way to, to get mid journey is you have to go onto their Discord server. So here's some examples of Discord of mid journey. Um, so for example, here's a what? <laughs> cat astronaut on the on Mars. It's a cat astronaut. Yeah, so anyways, so mid, mid journey is more like artistic um, for sure. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to do, um, you, you type in imagine and uh, I'm going to type in the same prompt. And then this is basically humanoid robots of cooking, cooking in the future. So this is like, yeah, mid journey. You can only, it's like, they're basically creating this thing where it's like, it's, it's a shared compute that everyone basically shares their prompts and, yeah, so and it's wait worth for the computer. In mind. Mm -hmm. So yeah. these, these, these models are big right now. 
Well, most of yeah. them are big enough that they're hard to run like on an individual laptop. You got to run them on a server. They're super, yeah. when I say they're big, they take a lot of memory to load them in. So, you know, yeah. your average desktop computer doesn't have enough memory to hold this thing. And then you mm -hmm. need specialized hardware and libraries and that kind of stuff to get them to run fast enough that they don't just sit there all day, right? If you want to run it in 20 seconds or 30 seconds or something like that. So yeah. for the most part, the way that you can use these things today is it'll be a cloud service and somebody's paying for the cloud service, right? Yeah. So, you know, if it's an organization like OpenAI, you know, they're running chat GPT on, you know, some infrastructure that they have with Microsoft and in the Azure cloud. And they're spending like a million dollars a day providing the service for free so that they can get people to interact with it and gather more data and make the product better. Right. But a lot of yeah. these outfits that are sharing these things like Stable Diffusion is like it's an open source project. It's not from like this super well-funded org. And so... Yeah you know, the way that you can get access to it is, is like, there are some people that run demos and that kind of stuff. Now, a lot of the demos also, they end up being really crude. The more compute and the bigger the version of the model you use, the more, the better the images are, the more refinement and whatnot that you can get. So a lot of the free to use demos are like kind of clunky low res things where you can kind of play around with them. But there are commercial mm -hmm. tools that are showing up now where you'll, you can get a mm -hmm. subscription to it and you can get much better results, you know, because essentially you're paying for the compute and you're paying for the bandwidth to get this stuff running. I actually, I downloaded okay. Stable Diffusion to my laptop and got it running at one point, the like right. the best version that I could. And it it's pretty compute intense. Like it's a significant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so here's, a, here's a, the humanoid robot cooking French food in the kitchen. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's pretty impressive actually. Um, yeah. So, and then what you could do is let's pick a, let's pick a version, let's do, um, you can upscale one. I'm going to upscale this top right one. Um, okay, I'm going to keep right riffing here. in the background. So once yeah, again, yeah. There, there's a language model that goes into this, and there's an image model that goes into it. Now, of course, the results hmm. you get are going to depend on what language corpus you train on and how much there is, and similarly with the images. But there's also yeah. this trade-off that, like, you know, in some cases, the language part of the model is like much more refined or more capable than the image part is. And on these different versions, whether Midjourney or Dolly or whatnot, they have a different image approach, they have a different language approach. And some of them have different sort of relative capabilities between the language and the image. And 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 so those 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 relative strengths and weaknesses of the different components they put in lead to these kind of uh, different uh, you know, capabilities, you know, the, the different performance that you get in, in different aspects. But all of these techniques are very general and extremely scalable. So, you know, by putting more compute in and more data or tweaking the way that you do the training, you know, the, these things, they're just going to get arbitrarily good. And so, and right now we're looking at text to images, but you could do text to music, you could do text to video, you know, write me a story that does... Yeah. Uh, this kind of stuff, or do the other, do the opposite thing. Like, you know, write me a script to go with this movie, <laughs> or, you know, or how can I change this movie? Imagine a, you know, a transformer that takes movies in and produces movies out, right? So you, you put in a movie and you put in a prompt and now you get a new movie out based on your prompt and the movie that went in. Okay. Like, here's the, here's the upscaled version. I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into, um, I'm going to stop this really screen good. share. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I'm going to go ahead, uh, go in, back into my Safari window here. Um, I think that's it. Okay. Do you see it here? So here's the, 
the humanoid robot cooking French food, cinematic lighting, photorealistic. If we go into it, um, wow, it's pretty crazy. Look at that robot. How did they, yeah. James, how did they make that thing? <laughs> well, it's, you know, just... it, it's seen a lot of pictures of robots and it's got uh -huh. the gist of it, but you'll notice, like, look, count the fingers on the hands, right? You, there are mm -hmm. lots of little detail things it's not going to get right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it doesn't have the degree of symmetry and precision that, 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 that we associate with a bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, like humans, they, there are certain details we're drawn to and that we tend to get right. We almost never draw hands with the wrong number of fingers on them, right? But, mm -hmm. you know, it's looked at a bunch of hands and it understands this whole repeating digit kind of thing and approximate. But depending on the angle and that kind of stuff, I mean, the, the whole, you know, it's only seen them in pictures. And so it's going to have mm -hmm. shortcomings that come from the fact that it that that it it's having to figure out all of this stuff just by having looked at a lot of pictures and what it considers a priority uh, might be different than what a human would consider a priority. Right. So the strengths and mm -hmm. weaknesses both, you know, show up in that thing. Like you can see that they're not getting the hand right there either. Like that's yeah. a pretty classic thing that they get wrong. Like knees and hands and feet mm -hmm. <laughs> frequently doesn't get right. Those are things people really care about. And it's a, Recently, a lot of work has been done on trying to get faces right because we know faces are mm. symmetric and, you know, they have certain proportions and and uh, and and so like one of the things that AIs would get wrong a lot is faces and that would really drive people yeah. crazy. So a lot of these models have put a lot of special effort into trying to get them so that the faces are good. And but that comes at the cost of other things sometimes. But they're all okay. gradually getting a lot better as the as the teams that develop these models are yeah. getting better at the craft of making the models work. The the performance of the models just gets higher and higher, like mm. literally week by week, they month by month, the, the the systems are getting significantly better. I'm wondering, like, you know, with the mid journey there, they have 11 full time people, only eight engineers. How are they doing what they're doing? Like, where are they getting the data and like the photos and. How does such a small team, you know, like how are they able to do something like this? Well, not not on the their desktop computers. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I actually don't know a lot about the details of how mm, the journey okay. their, the size of their team and whatnot. But yeah, it's, so there are large publicly available um, libraries of images that have been licensed in various ways and called in various ways. There's a, there's a lot of support out there for the basics of getting this stuff going, like really large image databases, for instance. And you can scrape stuff off the internet too, like people still do that also. Similarly with language stuff. Um, a lot of these efforts, they take, you know, a language model that's pretty well developed and then they, they decide they wanna tweak it. So they can take a language model that's already trained up and then they can tune it to try to get better characteristics, similar with the vision model, and then how they map those latent spaces together, whether they're using you know, diffusion or some other technique for the images, what kind of language model they use. There, there's all these trade-offs that you can do. Once you get the basics bolted together, there's tons and tons of fine tuning that, that you can do to try to get the system overall to work better for the, like you can go bigger is one thing that you can do. But the, the core elements of the models are, still really resource intensive from a compute and data standpoint. Mm. So, um, you know, at a minimum, you need a lot of hardware. If you're going to do this from scratch, like few people do yeah. it from scratch right now. They're, they're building on other people's work for the most part. 
and the people who are really doing it from, well, even the people who are really doing it from scratch, they'll do the thing. Well, they, they'll start with the model they were using three months ago and then they'll refine that. Yeah. You, know, you don't like erase the memory and start over from scratch very often. So, because it is, it is mm -hmm. really expensive. I think uh, GPT, supposedly GPT-3, the first time they trained that, it was like 5 million bucks just for the compute, for the right. final training pass. So that, that gives it's... you a sense of the scale of the money okay. involved. Yeah. Um, so one of a, a, Twitter, a Twitter follower asked to put this prompt in for our talk. It's basically a poster with images of, of all of different people using watercolor effect with soulful color palette. So here was a Dolly's mm -hmm. attempt at it. Um, and then here was stable diffusions attempt at it. Um, and then, um, let me go over, sorry, I have to stop screen sharing and add um, uh, this Discord server, which is an app on my program, on my computer. So this is, um, I just typed in, in Discord, the same prompt, and here's uh, Midjourney's uh, same kind of attempt. I kind of like Midjourney's the best for some reason. It's just, yeah, consistently they're giving me better, better things, yeah. They might be running a much bigger model than the other uh, two mm. sites you happen to be using. Like it, yeah. if you're using a, you know, a 50 billion parameter model version of one model and a 1 billion parameter model of, you know, of a different one, then you get, and then scaling, you know, how you, uh, you know, what resolution image that you're asking for that has a big impact, whether they're doing upscaling or they're going direct to the image. Cause one thing you can do is you can, you can create a kernel image and then you can upscale it to get, and you get slightly different results out of that for a com compute mm -hmm. trade-off. It's like, once you start getting in the weeds, there's all kinds of stuff that you can, that you can fine tune. But the, yeah. you know, I think that, you know, and for people who want to use this, yeah, like get out there, start playing with them, figure out what they can do for you. I think there are a lot of people who yeah. can make good use of these tools the way they are just like, like, right. It's like having seen, you know, uh, what Copilot can do and now with chat GPT with code, I have a hard time imagining going back into programming without having these things. I mean, they didn't do all your yeah, programs, sure. but there's all kinds of stuff that, that's, that you have to do that they're going to make a lot less painful or a lot faster. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious of, to hear, um, have you thought about some of the implications of chat GPT and image generation, which leads to audio and video generation, everything, I mean, you have combining ChatGPT with all this like media generation, you have this huge open kind of potential for many, many orders of magnitude more content and, you know, things out there. Like what's going to happen? Like, what is our world coming to? Like, how do you see things headed? I, th this is like going back to, you know, 1982 and saying, well, what would you use a computer for? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> because like, uh, uh -huh. that is no short list of things. Right. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> like every, every, every answer I might have given to that question, like over the last few years would have radically changed every, every six months, because we're constantly seeing that, we're thinking too small, you know, it's like yeah. the possibilities are actually going to be much bigger than that. So I'm having a really hard time getting ahead of this. Like I spend mm. so much time being, you know, thinking about, 
what are because this is how you do stuff you know when when you you, is like you look at a tech and you say well what can it do and what can't it do and then you tend to think in terms of limitations it's not completely open-ended or whatnot and i think that you know my thought process on this is just like i keep getting tripped up because i you know i think through what like what what you know what you're going to be able to do given what I understand the limitations are. And then six months later, that all just like gets knocked over and I have to start over because it turned out those weren't actually the limitations. These other things, the limitations are more like this. And then six months later, it it moves again. It's Mm -hmm. yeah. I just, I have a really hard time getting ahead of, I spend all my time being amazed by where we are, but Mm -hmm. I, 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 you know, a lot of businesses are, starting right now <laughs> where people are yeah, looking at yeah. stuff and coming up with you know ideas yeah. because it there's so many new possibilities getting opened up yeah i mean it what's interesting is open ai you know recently opened their api publicly um and then you've got all these image generator companies starting to open up their services so you've got this whole like i've been waiting for this moment for quite a while where like the AI technology that's been kind of been incubating for quite a while finally gets accessible for people to to build stuff with, right? And it seems like we're entering that period. And I was just like telling my wife yesterday, I was like, you know, like in terms of making a, a, a game that's, you know, built with AI generated assets completely, it's like, this is actually like a win. It's a special opportunity. It just got started, right? I mean, recently to be able to do this. Um, so it seems like, you, you add on kind of, you know, API access to, you know, GPT-3 with text, you have, you know, image, you have audio. Um, it's fascinating, like the stuff you could build. Um, yeah, it's, um, yeah. Follow the guys over, the Stable Diffusion is um, there. I mean, Stability AI, who the group behind Stable Diffusion, they're really actively interested in trying to create uh this ecosystem of tools and technologies that people can use to, uh, you know, to build these new opportunities on. Uh, I think they're worth they're worth looking at. They they they're doing a lot of stuff in that space, um, mm-hmm. and they seem to be, you know, like very explicitly thinking in those terms. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the possibility space is just kind of overwhelming, so it's hard to get around it and talk about what what you know. My, my problem is like I'm having a hard time coming up with things that aren't going to be possible, right? So you can set a boundary <laughs> on your expectations because, like, yeah. you know, it just. I mean, there's this whole thing. Did we talk about protein synthesis or you, you know, yeah. Alpha Alpha, yeah. Alpha Fold figured yeah. out the you know how to go from you know a, a DNA sequence to a protein you know, which is super important, longstanding problem. It has huge implications, but there's this other thing, which is in a sense harder, but also kind of more useful, which is I need a protein that does this. Tell me what the gene sequence is for making this protein, right? Like come up with a protein, you know, that does this and then give me a gene sequence for it. And I would have thought that that was going to take a long time to do. Like if you'd like, I thought about this right after alpha fold, you know, like what the, what the space was, but in no, like in literally within a couple of years, like the reverse folding problem had, I mean, it's not solved, 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 perfectly solved, but it's mostly Mm -hmm. solved now. Like you, you, you don't have to brute force the design of these things. You can say, I want a protein that does this. 
and uh, and you know there you know there's a neural network that can come up with candidates for that protein few and you know because protein synthesis is so simple these days you can take a gene genetic code dump it into a protein synthesizer dump the thing out and test the protein like it it's hard to overstate the impact that this is going to have on drug design right or material design mm-hmm. and it you know it went from a total pipe dream like inconceivably far away to kind of far away to yeah maybe we can do it next week like that happened in two years yeah. three years yeah. or something yeah. like that it went from kind of absurd and those things keep happening yeah yeah uh, james i want to ask you one uh one more thing about um describing chat gpt so i wanted to go back to kind of this instruct gpt model um and so uh, on OpenAI's website, they have these three steps. Um, I had a question on the on the third step, but just for to give people a kind of an overview. Step one is you collect demonstration data and train a supervised policy. A prompt is sample. So, for example, explain reinforcement learning to a six-year-old. That's not the greatest prompt. Like this is a same thing from OpenAI, but explain the moon landing to a six-year-old, and then you have a labeler that demonstrates the desired output. So you have a human actually showing what the output should be like. This is fine-tuned to supervised <clears throat> learning. And then step two is you get comparison data. So what it means is you have this same prompt as before, but then you have different prompts that are similar, like explain gravity to a six-year-old, explain like moon is, or yeah, explain different things, right, to a six-year-old. Right. And then the labeler ranks the outputs from best to worst right, amongst the, the questions and outputs. And then the data is used to train the, the reward model. So I get these, I get these uh, first two steps here, but the third step is where I'm a little confused. It says, optimize a policy against the reward model using reinforcement learning. A new prompt is sample, sample from the data set. So write a story about frogs. The policy generates an output. So once upon a time, there was frogs, et cetera. The reward model calculates the reward for the output. And then the reward is used to update the policy using PPO. So it goes back right. into here. Right. So can so you explain case, kind of this last step? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so taking a step back, what's going on on this page is how did mm-hmm. they get from instruct GPT to chat GPT? So there's lots of stuff in instruct GPT and there's lots of stuff in, in, in GPT, which isn't being described here. GPT is making the language model using this generative process that we talked about before, like, tell me the next word, right? Instruct GPT mm-hmm. was, uh, was an earlier version of a similar process to this um, that just tried to get a dialogue working, you know, tried to get m- more of a dialogue thing. So the, mm-hmm. what's happening, what this page is doing is it's basically describing what you need to, what training methods you use on top of GPT-3. Like you've got GPT-3, you've got, a, you've got a system that's a language model that knows what makes sense as far as language goes. Right. Mm-hmm. And it can it can it can pull things out of its vast sort of experience with reading pages to, to give you plausible sounding outputs. Well, how do I decide what's the preferred output? Right. Because, you know, out of coming out of GBT, they had problems with truthfulness. They had problems with tone and helpfulness and that kind of stuff, like understanding the intent of the question. So the first thing that you do is you. um is you you create a lot of examples of exactly the kind of interaction you want. That's what the supervised thing is. So they have humans write, get sit down, and they do a scripted thing. You know, uh, human says this, 
computer, you know, ChatGPT says this, human says this, ChatGPT. So they make a supervised training set. And then, the, so the next thing they do, you start with GPT, you have this supervised training set and you use that to fine tune uh, GPT. So now GPT is capable at GPT-3, the pre-chat GPT version of this thing, it's capable of coming up with sensible stuff, but it's not doing a good job of coming up with the preferred output. It's just giving you mm -hmm. an output that, that can kind of work. So in the supervised state, what you're saying is like, uh, is these are the kinds of things I prefer that you do, right? And that what the supervised training does is that adds an additional layer of specificity on, on top of, uh, like you, it could say anything that was grammatically correct before. Now you're asking specifically to narrow, of all the things it could say, these kinds of things are preferred, right? That's, that's where we're mm -hmm. trying to get with these additional layers of training. So the supervised one, you start with these kind of scripted interactions and you, and then you train the system to mimic those. Like it knows mm -hmm. language. Now I want it to mimic these interactions, but, but, but what you have is a very small set of, of interactions. Like if you think of all the things people could do with GPT, how many of them are the open AI guys going to sit down and turn into scripts, just tiny, tiny fraction of those. Mm -hmm. So so you get this kind of rough outline of things, but now what you wanted, now you've got it. So it's kind of coming up with preferred things, but there, but it's still not good enough. So, so what, so what, what I need to do is I need to come up with a way of saying of the different kinds of, you know, helpful, more or less truthful things that you could do, which, which are even more preferred. And so that's what this reward policy is. They to make the, the reward policy is basically a neural network that can look at an output and it can rank it on a scale of say one to 10 or one to four or something to say how helpful, how good is this chat GPT? So mm -hmm. they build that reward model by, by essentially they run chat GPT and they take real user interactions, which is the kind of thing that we're helping it with right now by using it, right? We're giving it mm -hmm. lots of examples of things people do. And then, mm -hmm. you know, with a different random, you know how you can say regenerate query or whatnot, you get a different answer the second, third, fourth time. So what you do is mm -hmm. you, you, take, you take a ton of real world examples that your users have provided you with, you generate lots of outputs for each one of those. And then you, mm -hmm. what you do is you have the reward function rank them to say how good they are. So via, through this method, you can build a really big database of, of examples, then you can close the loop by having ChatGPT grab uh, an example from the user example database, generate an output, and then use the reward function to basically say how good it was. So with reinforcement learning, this is how like uh, you know computers learn to play video games. In reinforcement learning, what you do is is you have an algorithm that's trying to do something, and the feedback you, you know it does it it tries, and then you give it some feedback on how on how well it's doing and you learn a policy, you learn how to modify the, the weights of that thing so that it gets the best score on a repeating thing. So then ChatGPT gets oh, trained yeah. to like, I'm gonna give you a thousand prompts and I want you to play a game to get the highest score that you can. That's the reinforcement learning part that happens at the end. So to do that, you need to build the, you know, the reward function, which, is, which gives it its score. You have to build that mm -hmm. kind of separate. And so that's what step two there is. They're building the little scoring mm -hmm. thing. And then step three is ChatGPT playing a game with itself, trying to get the highest score. Now, in this case, the neural network mm -hmm. itself, ChatGPT, 
PT, it's a policy, right? Because in reinforcement learning, we refer to the network that determines the output based on the input, that's a policy. And what because mm -hmm. what reinforcement learning does is it tries to make a policy better. But the idea of a policy is you're playing a repeating game, right? You're gonna take, your, you, you know, you have the situation mm -hmm. you're in, the policy says, what's the next thing I should do? In the case of chat GPT, it's like, what's the next thing I should say? Then you get another prompt and then you say, what's the next thing I should say? So the, the third stage of this is essentially turning it into a game where chat GPT can do like what AlphaGo did. You know, AlphaGo plays Go against itself for a really long time and gets really, really good at it. And in this case, they've built a game where scoring high means generating the output that humans find more helpful. And so it learns to play this game of doing that. And then it becomes good at generating output that humans find helpful. Got it. So the third model or so step three is um, they've already got their kind of is their step two re reward model kind of, you know, like somewhat built, but then step three is taking Using all the, the previous model. stuff. Yeah. To create outputs, like different outputs, scoring the, the outputs with the reward model and then figuring out like which one has the highest kind of score kind of continue to yeah. do that until so like the third one is the game is the, you mm -hmm. know, you've been, you make a game that chat GPT plays against itself where it tries to score mm -hmm. higher. So like it, it plays through one way with a bunch of outputs and it gets a certain score and then it goes back and says, well, what if I change my weights? Right. You know, you yeah. provide some feedback to it and then it tries to play through it a second time. Did it score better or worse? If it scored better, then you hang on to those changes. If it scored worse, you back out those changes and you go to the previous mm -hmm. one. Right. So when you're mm -hmm. playing the game, your only feedback is, am I getting better than I was Got before? It. You play the game, you get a score, you play it again, and you look at the differences between what you did before. In this case, the only difference is, once again, it's just the weights of chat GPT. That's the policy which is changing. And it's just being referred to as a policy in the last step because that's the convention for reinforcement learning. But it's just chat, yeah. G chat GPT is the policy. You Got know, approximately. <laughs> like that's yeah, mostly yeah. true. That's the way to understand this. Yeah, 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 that's... Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that that helps actually to to understand it better. Um, yeah, um, let's do. I know you have to go. Um, I want to just uh, let's do. Um, um, so yesterday I was. Um, um, I posted some. Um, some images from um, uh, Mid Journey, but then um, uh, Tesla Economics he took the link and kind of did his own prompt. <laughs> he said, Tesla bought eating ramen. AI is officially taken over. And check out these, like, so so crazy. Look at this. Yeah. They're really creative, like, right? Oh, I mean, oh my it, gosh. It yeah, seriously. There are a lot of interesting interpretations. And, you know, if you play with this thing, yeah. there's a random, when, when we talked about, it, like, this stuff gets generated from a random image, a random number. And depending on what random thing you start with, you can get a completely different output. So you can you yeah. can run this thing millions and millions of times, and every time you'd get a different image out, which is yeah. nonetheless some kind of reasonable interpretation of the prompt that you give it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, new Tesla products of the future. Uh, he says the implications of what AI is about to do is preventing me from falling asleep right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what I call I that? I feel it's your like, pain. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know how like when AI beats like the best chess player, the best go player, all this. Stuff, there's a crisis moment where it's like, oh my gosh, it's like the yeah. the like this 
this um, paradigm of the of the human being at the top of every, you know everything is just broken. Yeah. I think like it's starting to happen. It's like you're looking at some of this stuff. It's like holy moly, <laughs> it's like yeah. something is going uh, on. <laughs> I, when really I the, the first day I played with Chat GBT, I totally had one of those mm. crisis moments where I was yeah. like, <laughs> what, "What have we done?" <laughs> you know, that whole thing that we're very carefully drawing the summon circle in chalk on the floor. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you what animal we're going to sacrifice you know <laughs> yeah um uh, ah, james crazy stuff man all right i'll let you go uh, thanks beautiful. for <laughs> what a great time yeah. to be alive right i'm so yeah yeah happy to be here at the, i mean maybe the future will be better but i'll tell you man there's nothing ever that ever happened in the past was as entertaining as what's yeah. going on right now yeah, but I, I, I'm excited because I'm like using this stuff and I'm trying to build stuff that's useful. And I think I have some ideas, but the, on the other side, it's like it could be used to build build and to generate a lot of noise and a lot of confusion yeah. in society. And yeah, this is going to be an interesting next and, decade. And, and like that's uh, a really important component of what's happening right now with chat GPT and what's important about it, right? Is because the thing that I said about three laws safe, like... I, I think, you know, um, open AI is explicitly working on exactly that problem, right? How do we get these powerful machines aligned with our values so that they have a very strong tendency to not be used for bad things? Like, how do we build that into the model to make this technology yeah. as beneficial? As, I mean, you're never going to get to where there's no downside. There's always going to be downside, right? But you can make the tools better. You can put safety stuff in them and you can make them less likely to go that way. And at the ultimate end, you know, we would like to imbue these models with our sense of right and wrong so that they do the right thing and that they understand not like in some very explicit, like, here's the laws, here's the rules, but they, you know, but they can, they can appreciate <laughs> the nuances of the trade-offs that go into this kind yeah. of stuff. And I don't know if you noticed there was a, um, you can, there's these various political orientation tests that you can take where they ask you a bunch of questions and they tell you where yeah. on the spectrum of, you know, whatever spectrum that mm -hmm. they draw are. And it was interesting that a couple of people went and they did a thing where they gave these tests to chat GPT. Right. Mm -hmm. And they basically showed it has biases. And of course, you know, the, the, the initial spin is like, oh my God, you know, our AI overlords are going to be, they're going to feel like they're going to, all they're going to care about is what tech bros like, right? You know, that like <laughs> the people who create it, their values are going to be reflected. It's going to be bad for everybody else. And that is something that is definitely worth considering, right? What values do we want these things to have? But I had the opposite thing to this, which is, we can give them values. Like the fact that they reflect a particular set of values. Like you can ask them this fairly abstract set of questions, which has probably not been prompted. It's not been written in there, right? Mm -hmm. It's reflecting the sense of right and wrong of its parents, which all children do, right? You get raised in an environment, you learn certain things are right and wrong, and you kind of go with that. And, you know, on the one hand, you can say, well, it's bad that you that you're mimicking because you might mimic somebody bad. And that's true. Mm -hmm. But it's also really important that we, that, that they, that we find ways to, uh, you know, to give them that value system that, and, and, and I, I feel like chat GPT is for me, a compelling example 
that this is a solvable problem, that this is doable. It's not a bridge too far. We are going to figure out how to get these things to, to, to yeah. know us better than ourselves and to do what we want it to do, even when we don't know how to explain it. Yeah. I mean, I have the, maybe the, another side of the view of the argument, which is, which is um, determining what is right and wrong has been such a historical, difficult challenge. If you look at philosophy, theologies, religions, everything, it's wrought with just drama and we've, I don't think we figured it out. And I think perhaps the, the scary thing it, is there is yeah. no right answer. Right. And so that's yeah. a problem. I, I, and I totally agree with that. You know, the, it, it's or, not like if, you know, we know what the right value system is like, that's part of the problem is we don't, you know, it's very yeah. hard to come up with the right human value system because it's super de dependent and it may well be the case. It, it likely is the case that all human value systems that they have that, you know, that Gedelian limit where, you know, you can't come up with an internally consistent set of rules that, you know, that just always works. There's always going to be corner cases that don't work very well. And that might be true of human value systems. And it's just something that we got to live with. But it's better than not being able to inculcate val our values into our superhuman machines. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. Um, all right. Thank you, James. Um, have a great uh, Christmas. Everyone listening, have a great Christmas. Uh, it's been fun yeah, chatting Happy with all of you guys uh, this past year. And um, yeah, I hope everyone's doing well. All mm -hmm. right, let's see you. Bye.